Hi, everybody. My name is Brennan. You've got Gabe. And we'd, we'd like to welcome remotely Parker. Hey. And this is Shadow Valley. Welcome back, everybody. Um, so after our uh, three episode on Jeffrey Epstein, we decided to do something a little, I mean, I guess it's still pretty intense, but um, we're not trying to come down, especially since we're heading into Halloween. We want to keep it a little spooky. <laughs> so um, we're going to talk about today, Arthur Gary Bishop. Uh, this guy's pretty uh, messed up dirtbag, and here's a little excerpt of a letter he wrote um, just explaining his crimes and why he did them. To give you guys an idea, I'm a homosexual pedophile convicted of murder, and pornography was a determining factor in my downfall. Somehow, I became sexually attracted to young boys, and I would fantasize about them naked. Certain bookstores offered sex education, for photographic, or art books, which occasionally contained pictures of nude boys. I purchased such books and used them to enhance my master masturbatory fantasies, finding in procuring sexual arousing material became an obsession for me seeing pornography was lighting fuse for a fuse on a stick of dynamite i became stimulated and had to gr gratify my urges or explode all boys became more mere sexual objects my con conscience was decentralized and my sectional sexual appetite entirely controlled my actions so yeah that's uh that's a small excerpt of of this guy of what he did and kind of uh, give you guys an idea of how messed up he was. And that's that's something he wrote to the family and people involved in this case, right? So it was like a letter that he wrote explaining like why he did what he did. Right. So, yes, pretty much. Okay. I know he's the first serial killer um, that we've talked about on this, on this show. Um, but, I mean, let's agree now, like... He's a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, and like to be to be honest, that letter and his reasons for why he did what he did excuse nothing. Yeah, hundred percent. How many people watch porn and don't end up as pedophiles? Yeah. How many people watch porn and don't kill five little boys? Yeah. So Bishop was convicted in 1984 for five murders in Salt Lake, Utah. So um, the murders went from 1979 to 83. Um, so the, the range is, so, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, geez, like that's not, I mean, that's averaging, you know, close to one a year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't do a lot of things that I like to do one time a year. <laughs> I can't not kill people for one, one full year. Yeah. Right. So among, so these kids that were slain, it was all young boys and they, they range from ages four to 13, youngest being four, obviously. Um, so the first one to be murdered was Alonzo Daniels. Then it was Kim Peterson, which was 11. So Alonzo was four. Then Danny Davis was also four. Trey Ward, six. And I might butcher this name. Um, Gramey, Gramey Cunningham. He was 13. Graham? 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 Utah spelling always messes Graham. it up. Graham? I don't know. It's a, yeah, but that's besides the point. So this guy, and like point, Parker pointed out, actually, um, so he took almost a year in between every single 
murder. So his first murder, uh, 1979, was in October. Uh, and then he waited until November the following year for his next one, which I found very interesting. And, and I think that's a common occurrence with a lot of these murders murderers and serial killers that they have to have like a cool down. Right. Like they don't want to do anything because they're worried about getting caught. Right. And it almost like uh, makes it in along with Bishop, it was a lot of like sexual gratification that he had to have. Right. And like it was stated in, he stated it himself in his um in that little letter that it was like he had to almost uh, indulge these fantasies and stuff. Otherwise he would just explode. Quote right. unquote. Um, to me, what that meant was like, I have to do this every year. It was almost like, almost like a pressure cooker. You know, this year would come up and be like, Oh shit. like, I need to let this gratification out. Right. You know, and it's pretty disgusting, but that's very common with, a lot of these serial killers, Ted Bundy, for instance, he would right. go, he would get, he went like a year time and then he just went on a killing spree because it yeah. was like, Oh, I just need to get this done. They go you into know? their berserker mode. Eventually yeah. Yeah. they get too cocky and then they get caught. Like it, they're stupid, which is very interesting about this. And we can dive into it a little bit more, but, uh, Gary or Arthur Gary Bishop, he was actually initially, he got in trouble for embezzlement. He did, didn't he? That was yeah. in 1978. Yeah, so it was embezzlement before anybody caught him for uh, right. his actual crimes. And to go along with that, oh, you know, well, maybe we just start his early life. Yeah, let's we get, can start get, at the beginning. Get to the beginning. Let's, let's go into the beginning and then uh, just kind of work our way up. So in the beginning, as they say in Genesis, <laughs> um, in the beginning or the genesis of his life, um, Arthur Gary Bishop, was born in Hinckley, Utah in 1952. He grew up and was raised a devout Latter-day Saint in a, quote-unquote, this isn't the correct term, but it's the most common term used, um, in a Mormon family. That's a big, big thing to point out, I think, too, as well. Because a lot of the, and I think I've mentioned this a little bit before, is that a lot of the time these serial killers and these people that have these tendencies and these... Um, kind of darker corners of their lives, they usually grow up in a family that isn't very happy or sometimes is abusive in other ways or they were abused as a child. But the interesting thing, at least is from everything that I was able to find on him, he grew up in a very happy household. Right. They supported him. Like he was a, and it was almost like, it's in, it, it, I find it interesting because there's a lot of parallels between this guy and uh, Jeffrey Epstein, actually, the way they grew up. Right. Um, because... Both of them grew up in happy households. Like this guy was charismatic, or, or, or Bishop was. So was Epstein, right. um, and he grew up as like a very everybody touted him to be very like smart and intelligent. He right. he got his Eagle Scout, um, and so that's like a big thing that I find it interesting because he didn't, at least as far as I know, he didn't have many things in his younger life as many would assume to put him down this path of what he did you know, like murdering a bunch of children and nobody really like even had an idea about this guy. Right. Even after he was convicted, people were like, what the heck? Like, that is so crazy. It is crazy. Like the whole thing's crazy. And you know, like, cause you have this guy, he's, he's able to put on this facade mm -hmm. and he's able to pretend to be something he's not. And you know, um, it's pretty amazing. Cause usually there's this, we were, I talk about this in my comms class a lot, but mm. Um, one of the things the teacher pointed out when it comes to like 
corporations and stuff is people, if they scratch enough, they're going to smell through the bullshit. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Arthur Gary Bishop, or we'll just call him, I can, I'll just refer to him as Bishop. Yeah, I'll just start um, saying Bishop as well. Just to kind of shorten it down. One thing that he uh, was able to do is he was kind of able to mask a lot of the bullshit. Mm-hmm. And he kept that going on for so long. You know, something he was able to do when he was 19, he served a mission in the Philippines. And, you know, missionaries, a lot of what they do is um, they have to preach the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, And part of that is you have to be charismatic and you have to... um, I mean, I served a mission in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And part of it is you kind of have to sell... Um, the idea to people. You have to sell it to them in a way and present it in a way that's that's appealing and you kind of have to have a sort of charm or charisma right. about it. And so just going back to the fact that he grew up and he had these smarts and a lot of people really liked him um, and he was able to serve a mission just really all together shows um, what kind of person he was and how he was able to really uh, manipulate the public eye of him. Yeah, it's very interesting. When he was, uh, sorry, Parker, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, I just like, there's lots of people that are not very charismatic or whatever. But then, mm-hmm. as you spend two years out there trying to talk to people that do not want to talk to you and trying to get into people's houses that don't really want you in their houses, like, you spend enough time doing that every single day, all day, you get to where you could be pretty charismatic or you figure out how to talk to people, like. I'm not trying to come down on the LDS church, but I, I, I'm like, you know, it could definitely be a breeding ground for people figuring out how to get what they want, whether oh, yeah. anyone wants to give it to them or not. You know? Yeah. Well, that's 100%. Why. So many of these missionaries go and then they go out there and, and then they come back and then they're doing some more sales, which is cool. Like that, that, if that's what you want to do, but it's because they've already spent two years like perfecting the art, like, most people would rather buy like solar panels than join your religion. So if right. you can sell people on religion, you're definitely going to be able to sell some solar panels or whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And you know, that's so true. Actually, one thing that's noted is in a lot of sales positions here, you have a leg up um, in Utah to get like a car dealership job or door to door job. If you have served a mission. Yeah. hundred percent. When I, uh, for a brief time, I worked at a, a retail location and I was one of the hiring managers. And I remember, when I first got moved into the position, the guy above me told me, he was like, it is a pro if they served a mission because you know they can talk to people. You know that they can kind of like not be manipulative, but they can post things in a way that sound a lot, like sound really good, you know? Right. And again, like just to echo what Parker said, I'm not trying to say anything bad about the LDS church at all. No, not at um, all. Because I think a lot of the things they do are great, but just the way that these missionaries can come off their mission and... um be very good with their words in a way. Right. Um, so one thing that I did want to point out um, <clears throat> that, so Bishop had an interview and within that interview, he kind of, he briefly went over what he experienced on his mission. And I just want to quote something that he said. Right. So he said, what was hard about being on the mission was that these kids were running around nude and it was very difficult to turn away and concentrate on what were, what you were supposed to be doing. So even in that time when he was a younger person, he already had these ideas of and these fantasies of like 
molesting children right you know already getting getting to that point where it was becoming like a sexual gratification for him to um look at younger children and see like he i can't remember exactly where he said it but um there was an excerpt that i read that he said that every time he'd look at a child it was almost just like a like in only a sexual way he's so disgusting yeah it's filthy man and I don't know. It's it kind of goes to show, and I think this is very telling of all serial killers and all people in general. It just goes to show, like you never know what people have under their bed, right? You know, it's terrifying because <laughs> you talk to people. You, I, I did a uh, article. I did like a little study or research article on uh, serial killers in general, um, in, in one of the general classes I took a few years ago in college, um, and there was a a study done I might butcher this, but I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was like one in 50 people that you pass or like serial killers or, or have those tendencies to be like a, a murderer. That makes sense. I mean, uh, some people don't have the capacity for empathy or they have a very like limited capacity for empathy. And, um, it allows people to really, flourish in jobs that require you to sell Mm -hmm. um part of the reason why like i mean this this was a small part of the reason why i kind of finished like came back early from my mission was there was one day where i was out there and i was able to use all the right words to convince something but like felt nothing at all like Mm -hmm. to myself i was like you know i don't even think i believe what i'm saying right now um (laughs) and that's when i knew i'm like this probably isn't for me But the fact that I knew all the right words and knew exactly what to say was something that shocked me and kind of snapped me out of where I was. But I can tell you to this day, like if I was with somebody and I was told to sell them on the gospel again of the church, Mm -hmm. um, I could do it. But I don't do it because, A, personally, I don't believe in it. um, And, B, I feel almost... I feel gross when I, I do that. Yeah. And I felt gross when I was doing that on my mission. And so um, just going back to where we were talking about that whole aspect of it. And then also like tying back into what you said about not knowing what people have under their beds. Like that's true. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of serial killers, they they hide stuff and they, they kept trophies and like literal things that people hide under the bed. Like we don't know what books and stuff Gary Bishop said he had under his bed, but also like what you said, metaphorically, like I think it's interesting how um, people hide stuff mm-hmm. and it's interesting too, because I'm not going to pretend like everybody doesn't hide stuff, but it's interesting to see what people do hide. Mm-hmm. So that was just kind of my thoughts on that, I guess. But Anyway, I guess uh, continuing on with his early life. So he came back from his mission when he was 19. Um, from what we know, he kind of just lived your average life. and yeah. yeah, he went to school. He got his degree. He wanted to pursue a, uh, um, like a computer science, essentially, so like his software developing and stuff. Yeah. And so he worked. Oh, sorry. Sorry, that was after, actually. So he got – he. So before he got a degree in accounting, okay. and then he was charged for embezzling. So was, he was charged in 1978 for embezzling like uh, eight, almost 9000 It was like eight point something right. um, from a dealership. 
So he pled guilty and then he received a five-year suspension. <laughs> so then after that, he embezzled. Um, he actually went to buy a different name. And I, oh man. I have it? it right here. What was, yeah, what was that name? Um, so he fled parole and lived under this alias name, Roger Downs. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, so he got an alias and he started going by this name for a long time, pretty right. much up until he got caught. Um, and it was because of that name that he actually was caught because they found out he was actually also um, being charged for embezzlement. Or he was, sorry, not also, he was being charged for that embezzlement um, after they ran the background check on him. Like, But we can get to that once he got right. convicted. Um, so yeah, he disappeared from everybody's sight and then he uh, started going by this Dow's name. Yeah, yeah. He, he changed that. And then just a year later, after he got caught for embezzlement, um, he was excommunicated by the Mormon church in 1979 after being discovered molesting children while participating in the Big Brothers program. And I think it's also interesting to note he was excommunicated in 1979 mm -hmm. and his first murder was that same year. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was. He, yeah, uh, so, um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, so he was excommunicated, and the church said, I read somewhere, the church said that they'd reported the instance um, that he was removed from the Big Brother program from. Yeah. And then, but the if you look at the actual news article, the police said that they never, um, like, have they don't have any report. So the, on one side, they say, yeah, we reported it. On the other side, they're like, um, yeah, we never got anything. Oh, so, so, the, so the police you know, are saying that had this report actually come out, maybe five lives would have been saved. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so what you're saying is the police are saying that the church, they never received a report from the church. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting, interesting too, because I think the brother program is run by the church, right? This one was, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why he was able to get caught in. And that's why he was excommunicated. I think it's interesting, though. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong on this. I don't think religious leaders have an obligation to report crimes. Like, I don't think they're legally obligated to do so. I think there's some sort of privilege there. Like, they can, but mm -hmm. I don't think they're legally obligated to. Uh, I want to say that you're actually right on that. I do remember reading or seeing something like that, um, but I can't remember. So maybe don't quote us on that because we might be wrong. I know I was talking to my therapist and I was like, we have like confidentiality. He's like, yeah, up until like sexual crimes and murder. And I was like, well, thank God I don't have to talk to you about those. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Dang. Yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, after he got excommunicated from the church and then he got released from the big brother program, um, he started working. That's when he started working as a computer programmer. Um, and uh, so, and like Brennan had stated, the first murder that he, he was a part of was that 1979, um, and that was Alonzo Daniels. Right. And we do have some information on that. It is, and the hard thing with this is that it does get pretty uh, gruesome the way he murders these children. Um, right. We don't need to go in detail for everything, but I'll just kind of hit on this first murder. Um, <clears throat> so this was on October 4th. Uh, Bishop had lured lured i hate that word it, it always sounds so weird to me but he, he what was that lord yeah I don't, I don't know it's just weird but he he convinced alonzo to come into the uh his apartment complex 
he actually lived very close to his family. So yeah. it was said that he lived just like across the hall, pretty much from Jeez. this young kid. Um, he promised him candy. And then once he got into Bishop's apartment, he started to sexually assault Alonzo. Um, Bishop took him to the bathroom and hit him in the head with a hammer and beginning began to drown um, Alonzo in the bathtub. Once he was dead, uh, Bishop, re- Bishop fondled uh, Alonzo's dead body and mutilated his genitals and put, in, put Daniels into a box and carried him out. And then he went to bury him at Cedar Va- in Cedar Valley. Um, I think it was a park. It's interesting, too, let's, that a lot of serial killers, they'll mutilate the victim's body and they'll actually sometimes specifically go after the, gen- the genitals. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, do you think part of that rage that he had against the genitals and why he did it was his own perversion? Do you think he was so sick in himself and he was disgusted with himself about being attracted to these young boys to where he was almost trying to like get rid of it in a way. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of, uh, so, and we'll, we'll hit on this too near the, his death. Um, he started, and this is very common with Christian serial killers and stuff is where they start like almost putting the blame on like the devil or they start to say, Oh, like, I just, I feel so horrible because I'm better than this. Like, and especially with this guy, he sounds very, um, like, like very Mormony near the end where it's like, Oh, like, Oh God is like good. All this stuff. But it's like, dude, you're, you're still like a shitty person. It doesn't change what you did. Um, and I think he stated it best when he said he like got so he got like people look at porn and stuff. But like you said, and I want to hit on that again, a lot of the people that have watched porn or watch porn do not get to the point of where he got. Right. It, he, in my opinion, I think he had something wrong in his head, something mentally that pushed him past the point of like, like any normal human would go. Right. You know, and I think that it, it kind of shows itself too, especially when it's when he wasn't abused as a child. He wasn't in a bad home growing up. Um, this all kind of came to fruition because this guy's just messed up in the head. Do you think like pedophiles just don't choose to be pedophiles? It's just something that happens. So, and that's a that's funny that you hit on that because that article I was talking about or the the paper that I wrote earlier was actually on my topic was are are serial killers and pedophiles born or are they made? Right. Meaning, are they born with these tendencies in their head, these messed up thoughts, like yeah, just something wired incorrectly to where it's kind of inevitable. Yeah. Or if they're made to be that way by their upbringing. Um, and it was honestly, I don't, I still don't know, to be honest with you. Like, cause a lot of these, like this situation for Bishop is like, he grew up fine, but yeah. he still ended up doing these horrible things. But other people, um, I can't remember just at, like a name off the top of my head, but there's other serial killers out there that were raped, that were, were abused. Right. Um, that led them to be the way they are. And uh, it's it's hard to see where that line is, in my opinion. Right. I know, like, a lot of serial killers, when they're younger or growing up, they'll have, like, a lot of head trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's another big one where they, yeah, yeah. they get hit to the dome too much. Like, <laughs> I think that's interesting. It's like they just kind of get a little bit messed up in the head. They'll get dropped, and you'll 
you'll see that in their early life. Um, I, I didn't find anything about Bishop being like dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mother maybe should have dropped him on his head a little <laughs> bit harder. <laughs> no, because then it'd be worse. Well, and oh. that's the other thing. Sorry, go ahead, Parker. He'd be dead. <laughs> I just I think I'd argue more that serial killers are made mm-hmm. and not born because um, I think there might be serial killers and pedophiles. There might be some part that is born in them, but I think like you know if they were if they were all just born and not made at all by their experiences, then like. Ted Bundy's whole family would be serial killers or, or like a right. high percentage or something like that. Like you'd think it'd be passed on genetically if it was all, they were just born with it. But like there might be some minor born part, right. but then it's reinforced by experiences they have that just like kind of um, unfork that like potential. Like I think we probably all have potential for yeah. something really bad. But like we ultimately like it comes down to what choices we make, you know? Yeah, 100 percent. And I think that's kind of that's like what I ended my paper on was that I think at the end of the day, I think all of us have those could have those tendencies. Yeah. But it's the way we choose to perceive things, the way we choose, like Parker, just to what Parker said, um, the way their actions and the things that we do will really it sounds stupid. But at the end of the day, they really will define us. Right. And I think. um there was a time oh that's another thing i forgot to mention so bishop there's a time when he was a teenager that he did have like a sexual experience with another minor that's disgusting and again i think it's those actions that he took to get him to that spot where this at one point it was a small little kernel or a small little seed and then eventually just grew into a weed you know it infected his brain and the the person deep down that he was truly right. started coming out um which is pretty sad and then actually just to hit on one more thing sorry yeah no so worries at all after um alon or bishop had murdered this young boy um he a few months after he started purchasing puppies and killing them um, because it helps stimulate Stop. him yeah Sorry, I just said, oh my gosh, like it's just nuts. Yeah, it, it's it disgusting. is crazy. It's disgusting. It's really sad. And like um, one thing that he said was it, it, a puppy whines just like Alonzo did. And uh, th- it's just disgusting, man. Like you, you read that and it, you think to yourself like how messed up in the head do you have to be to find like gratification in that? It, it's really messed up. And, you know, it's one thing I will never understand And one thing, this is an experience. I don't know if I ever told you guys this experience, but some people know about this experience. Let's hear it. Um, I actually, at one point, it was actually last year around the same time, Mm -hmm. I went on a date with an actual pedophile. Really? Yeah, I went on a date with a pedophile. They didn't tell me they were a pedophile. Um, I mean... For obvious reasons. Uh, so were they like on, on like the sex offender list or something? Well, or that's the thing that was kind of the worst um, was the fact that they had connections to where they got off not having to be on the sex offender registry and didn't even go to like jail or prison. Yeah. And, you know, they, when they first told me, it was, and you can pull up the article in KSL of this person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember their name, nor would I ever like publicly disclose that to somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were caught having 
sexual relations, they were, I believe they were like 21 at this time, maybe 22. Mm -hmm. They tried to tell me it was like, oh, it wasn't that long. Like the person wasn't that young. They were just a little bit older. Like we used to hang out all the time, blah, blah, blah. And so they tried to make it sound like it was a whole Romeo and Juliet thing. Like the person what? was like 19 or 18 at they the time or 17. Them. Yeah, they used to hang out. <laughs> it was it was in a youth group, actually, for a church. Um, really? Yeah. And so they made it sound like this. And I was like, oh, OK. I was like, do you have the KSL article? And I actually read the article. No, this kid wasn't 17. It wasn't this Romeo and Juliet kind of thing that they were trying to do. Bro was 12. Wow. That's he disgusting. did this to a 12-year-old. And the fact that it was tried to be like downplayed and you have somebody kind of like Arthur Gary Bishop or just Bishop who, uh, mm -hmm. who was in the same role and he was diddling freaking little boys in a youth group. Like there's – I feel like there's more than just a kind of a nature thing. Like I don't feel like – they are kind of born that way. I feel like you have people who entertain these things who yeah. a lot of the times I feel like that's how they're made because quote unquote, follow the dopamine. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. Whatever gives you pleasure, you keep repeating it over and over again. And you don't know what's going to give you pleasure until you do it. Um, but you know, kind of like Pavlov in his dogs to where he got them to start salivating at the sound of a bell. Yeah. Um, I think you could also take that into maybe the idea of, you know, here you have these pedophiles and serial killers who maybe not, maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally, um, push themselves to where now they get a dopamine reward from, from kids, which is absolutely disgusting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once I found out this person was a pedophile, I was like, goodbye. I just went <laughs> full on ghost. I was like, yeah, I don't date pedophiles. <laughs> I think you're you're right though. They liked you because you looked young. What? <laughs> they liked you because you looked young. I get that a lot actually. <laughs> you know, if you put on a wig, you might be twelve. <laughs> oh my Probably, God. dude. Hide my receding hairline. <laughs> oh my god. That's all right, you know. <laughs> we can well, join the club, bro. <laughs> dude, yeah, I feel like uh everybody always just thinks I'm like old. No one ever thinks I'm my age. Everyone's always like, I get Even, since I was like 16. I get ID'd for everything, bro. Dude, I like never get ID'd anymore. <laughs> like ever. We went to, a, I actually went to a, a sushi place and really? um, I had forgotten my, I, or my wallet actually. Yeah. So, and I was like, we, we were at a dinner with some friends and I was like, oh, I think I'm going to get this beer. And I was like, about to pull out my wallet and i was like oh shoot i don't have my wallet anymore yeah. and then uh the guy i was like dude i don't have my wallet like it's all right i just won't order it and then uh he was like oh no you're good you're good i, I can tell like, oh, cool <laughs> so i mean i it's got like, accused of having a fake one time really they did, did like a quiz on it? they quizzed me on it too they're like <laughs> this looks like a fake because i have one of those permits still those license permits since i'm trying to get my motorcycles license mm -hmm. um and so they're looking at it they're like Okay, yeah, this kind of looks a little bit fake. I'm like, it's not. They're like, okay, what's the address on here? I tell them my address. <laughs> what's your birth date? What? I give him my birthday. <laughs> Bro tried to go as far as telling me, like, he asked me for my driver's license number, and I was like, 
whore? Like, <laughs> dude, can you who the heck you knows your driver's their driver's license <laughs> number from the top of their head? Ask me my social security number. I can tell you that. But yeah. like, and that's just because I've applied for so many jobs in the past. Like, you just kind of remembered on applications. That's, that's like eight digits versus like what is a driver's license? One of like fifteen or something like that. Something like that. I think it ends in like eight eight. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I said. I'm like, I think it ends in eight eight. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Somebody's going to steal my driver's license now. <laughs> Whatever. But he uh, he asked for that, and he was finally like, okay, you can come in, but I still don't trust you. And I was like, bro. What the heck? <laughs> cut, like, knock it off. Like, I don't think I look that young. Um, at the same time, though, I was like, well, thank you for thinking I'm young because <laughs> I hate feeling like I'm 23. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel old. I'm like, I'm ancient. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> not really people get mad about that they're like shut up you're still the youngest one in the office and i'm like yeah yeah i'm, I feel I'm like the young i'm thinking i'm the youngest one at work too but back to disgusting <laughs> bishop and how uh he followed he created his own neural pathways to like boys this wasn't something that just happened yeah um he uh he created this it's different i think sexuality is different like um i feel like people who are like actual homosexuals Mm -hmm. who are lesbians or whatever Mm -hmm. i feel like that is more tangible to being like i guess like not genetic because it's not genetic Mm -hmm. but um to being more naturally like i don't want to say born that way either but to have a natural disposition to kind of be attracted to that mostly because there's a history of that um going back uh way way far back into kind of times of like hunters and gatherers like there Mm -hmm. was times where you would have two males together in this to perform um a supportive role there too Mm -hmm. and like they had a purpose versus um you know pedophiles don't have a purpose right like there's no social benefit to having like pedophiles and so just going through and thinking about the whole goal at the end of the day for um nature is to continue and to to survive Mm -hmm. that's what it is and you know part of surviving means you have to create these constructs i mean they're finding in like primates that there's a bunch of social hierarchy and you know there's a lot of stuff that they do for the benefit of the group and it's part of their survival and that's just how they've grown. Um, but you know, there's no logic behind like pedophilia in a society. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting and it causes more issues actually down the road than it does um, in solving problems. Something else that people uh, talk about is people aren't people who sleep in and kind of like our night people in general, mm-hmm. Like, that's a social thing that goes all the way back then, too, because they needed people to stay up all night to watch the group. And so people who are naturally a night person, it comes from that previous kind of social um, hierarchy to where somebody has to watch the group at night to protect them, mm-hmm. like to make sure no um, predators came in or no warring tribe came over to you. So there were tribesmen who were just naturally night people and their job was to stay up all night. Yeah. Um, now in today's society, everybody is almost like forced to be a day person because um, 
you know, nobody needs to stay up all night to right. like protect the client. Um, but it's something that is socially there and it had like a need for it. And so mm -hmm. some people are kind of, I guess, like that in the hierarchy versus being like pedophiles. Like, does any of this make sense? Like what no, I'm no, saying, totally does it, agree. does it yeah, track? Yeah. Um, I just want to make sure that people are on like the same page and I'm not sounding like I'm freaking on drugs. No, no, no. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I think it's. I think you hit it on the head earlier with um, just kind of stating, like, I think serial killers in general and pedophilia, <laughs> sorry, I kind of burst that. Um, it's almost like they've grown to get, like, a dopamine release when they perform these acts, you know? Right. And then, um, and, like, a, a sexual release as well, obviously, especially with in Bishop's case where he did it to abuse these children because he thought that was the only way he was going to be able to do it without getting caught. Right. Um, there was an article that I read that he said uh, he only killed kids. In the beginning, he only killed them because they threatened they were going to – or that, that they were going to tell. That know. is such a lie. Right. Do you know how easy it is to intimidate a child? And it's funny because he uh, – well, it's not funny at all. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> he says – um, later on, he, after he got, um, convicted, there's a detective bell that had an interview with him or just kind of like, a what's that word? Um, interrogated him and Bishop told him you can offer children anything and they'll go for it. Um, or, and they'll go with you. So just there, he already knows how innocent children are. And he knows that you can essentially like manipulate them to do whatever you'd like. Right. And so saying, trying to hide behind that facade of like, oh, I only killed them because they threatened they were going to tell people is like such BS. Yeah. Because then he started getting sexual gratification and like, uh, like you said, a dopamine release from murdering these kids. Right. And that's why he had to get those puppies initially because yeah. the puppies helped him kind of like keep that, that thirst and that like blood want, you know, yeah. um, down until they couldn't anymore until he like realized like oh shoot i can't get that release anymore yeah um from just puppies i have to do this again right and i think that kind of hits on what parker had said earlier it's like it's interesting that he went a year you know a year's time almost every time um to wait until he murdered and i think it was because like he just couldn't hold it in anymore you know right. he had to get that sexual gratification he had to get that release um which is at the end of the day, it's just messed up, you know, and and uh, it's really sad, in my opinion, that the, the first victim, yeah, he knew his mother, like his mom was like, right, freaking out, trying to find him, and they submitted all these like police reports, and they kind of they interviewed him in the beginning, but they just glazed over it. It wasn't yeah. like a an in depth interview saying like, okay, where were you during this time? Blah blah blah. It was yeah. kind of more questioning. Um. But that's the crappy thing about all this stuff is that I think <laughs> we mentioned this about uh, um, what was it Epstein? Yeah, I think it was Epstein. But they they just kind of bungle a lot of these investigations super hard, in my opinion. Oh yeah, they could Easy. have prevented a lot of this. And like Parker said earlier, like five victims could have been like saved if the right steps were taking right. taken in the beginning. Well, something to be noted, too, and eventually we'll cover Jeffrey Dahmer, but um, one thing to note is Jeffrey Dahmer 
had a guy who actually escaped his apartment, mm-hmm. talked to the police, and the police turned him back over to Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Um, Said he was like, he's my boyfriend. We're just doing crazy gay stuff. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, he's just being it's crazy. Ridiculous. And then he's like, like, all right, yeah, that checks out. Better better get him back in your apartment than he killed him. Right. And so, like, just going back to, to what you were talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, if their job was done correctly and they actually kind of listened to the victim and worked with the victim and did an investigation instead of bungling it up, how many people could they have saved from Dahmer? Right. No, 100%. I think it, it could have been all prevented and – well, not all of it, but I think a lot of it could have been prevented much, much earlier on. One thing, too, though, is, like, in this time period, the idea of a serial killer was, like, new. like people didn't know they were hunting one person or that right. these were related. Like, in tons of different, um, uh, like, cases, they're not connecting the dots, even though the murders are all similar or, um, you know, they're... Cause it just wasn't a thing until for whatever reason in the seventies and eighties, there's like a huge explosion of like serial killer activity, but then it's been, you know, not much since then either. Mm-hmm. But right. so people like the idea of a serial killer wasn't even known for them to say, well, all these little boys keep disappearing or whatever, like in this area, maybe it's just one person. Like they probably all thought all these crimes were completely unrelated. Right. And right. I think the idea of a serial killer, it was it was really came about in the 80s, I think, mm-hmm. when when that happened, when they really started to um, realize that, yeah, they have these serial killers, that there's people out there who actually enjoy it. Because at the time, it was just thought kind of crimes were done in passion or the heat of the moment or mm-hmm. there was gang crimes to where and there was gangs back then, too. It should yeah. be noted. But um, there's crimes like that to where um, it was transactional in a way versus. You know, somebody who just kills to kill, somebody who's a real life predator who just enjoys the act of killing. And it wasn't until um, have you guys seen that movie or not movie that show Mind Hunt Mind Hunter? No, I haven't. Well, it talks about kind of like the first creation of the uh, and it, of course, it's dramatized because Netflix. Yeah. But um, kind of the the behavior analysis unit of the FBI to where they started studying like serial killers and stuff. And one of the first people they started talking to about this was like Ed Kemper Hmm. Um, because they caught him actually going around and like killing people. Right. And so they kind of sat there and they dove into his mind to see what he was. And they, they go in there and they analyze these killers because it allows them to kind of build these profiles on what kind of killer their serial killer they're looking for. And then go from there on how to kind of smoke this person out, kind of how to find them, how to do different things like that. And it's just it's interesting because um, being a serial killer is very psychological Mm -hmm. because you do have this dopamine rush that you want and you do have this urge to kill. And it's just it's it's interesting. And I find that um, like something that just should be touched on because at this time they didn't have that. Mm -hmm. There was no idea that you have this guy who gets gratification, not only being a pedophile from these boys, because obviously they knew about pedophilia because there was laws about like molestation and stuff. So we knew about that, but the idea of a serial killer just wasn't there yet. They didn't have this 
repeat idea of somebody not only getting gratification from um, raping and being a pedophile, but also killing afterwards because, you know, he got gratification from the murder just as much as he did from the actual uh, like uh, like rape of the kid, because there's a reason why with Alonzo Daniels, he lured him in. He killed him and then had sex with his body. Right. It was this buildup with the kill to where he was able to build himself up, arouse himself up by the murder, and then the sexual release was at the end. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's important to hit on that, especially what you just said, um, where I think then we did have an idea about serial killers, but we didn't know, I don't think at least, we didn't know that a lot of, I guess we didn't know that these serial killers had the sexual gratification along right. with what they were doing with murdering, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you hit on that because that's very important. I think that's one of the big things that set this guy apart, especially back then. For instance, like we have the Zodiac killer that was about 10 years prior to this. Yeah. Um, he seemed to just be killing to kill. Yeah. Like, like couples to kill, you know, it wasn't like any, at least there was no hard evidence that he was like, raping or having like sexual um gratification with these bodies and corpses it was yeah. just like he was a serial killer you know um and then like things like jack the ripper where it was like oh he's killing prostitutes but there's no solidified evidence of him again like this sexual release that they have i think that was a big one for this especially in a state like utah of all places oh yeah um to to see something like that here i think was a big shock to a lot of people especially just 30 years ago uh or uh 60 years ago um Jeez. it's it was a big shock for them a big shock for the um investigation like the the, the police officers and stuff that the people that were going through it um because they i just don't think there's many people like that here in the state you know um not saying that that uh, like i might be wrong on that but as far as i know there wasn't a huge amount of serial killers here in Utah. No, there's the, you can look at a list of them online and you know, most of them that you're going to find is there was this guy who did a public shooting mm-hmm. here in Utah. It was in trolley square. Um, I think he ended up shooting like seven people and only killed five. Uh, oh, what really? Yeah. Or maybe was it was that? like 12 you know? people. Um, that was a while ago. I want to say it was like, 2003 don't quote me on that Mm. um but it was it was a while ago it was in the 2000s for sure but yeah he went to trolley square and he just shot up a lot of people and Mm. they called him a serial killer just because there was multiple like murders like multiple people died and wouldn't that be like a mass murder yeah that's what i was thinking too but like i don't know they labeled it as a serial killing which i personally disagree with but if you were to look at the list, there's some people on there who are like that. And this person was actually an immigrant who oh, really? did this. Yeah. Which at the time wasn't very helpful to kind of how the state was treating their immigrants. Right. There's definitely a little bit of a social um, problem there. I wish I could tell you exactly the country he came from, but I don't want to mistake it. I just mm. don't remember. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just tying that back into 
Utah being this not a hotbed for serial killers. I mean, Bundy did come through here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Green River Killer also came through here. It just wasn't... It, we're just not like a hotbed. And I, yeah. I couldn't tell you why we're hotbed for like UFOs and weird stuff like that. And recently, mm-hmm. I just found out about the, the Midnight Bee Man. Have you I've heard of him heard before? Of no. We'll have to talk about that after and maybe do something on that. Uh, but I didn't know Utah had a midnight bee man either. I've not heard of that. There's <laughs> like we have weird stuff like that. I mean, and it's weird because we're the beehive state. Yeah. Um, and it, there's just not much that goes on here. Mm-hmm. We just don't have that. But you know, one thing I would say there's probably um, a fair amount of is there's definitely a lot of sexual crimes in Utah, and I think. Part of it, in my opinion, I'm going to throw like the facts out the window for this one because this is my opinion. I think um, part of it contributes to a lot of sexual repression that we have since we're such a religious community. Yeah. Um, And if you're not a part of that religious community, you're very like frowned upon. And so um, just in general, it's not it's it's repressed. And I feel like that's why we have a spike in like sexual crimes versus um, a lot of just murders in general. Like one of our serial killers, he murdered prostitutes. Mm -hmm. And part of it was that sexual repression and kind of, quote unquote, cleaning up the street, trying to clean things up that way. And so my personal opinion, the reason why crime in certain areas might be the way they are is probably social repression in some way. No, I agree 100%. I think uh, the hard thing with – and. Again, I think just to reiterate what Brendan said, these are not facts. Um, these are just opinions right now. Uh, but I think my opinion as it stands here in Utah is that I think it's very hard to look past what's right in front of us, especially with the LDS Church. And again, this is not trying to talk back about the, bad about the LDS Church, but is it does suppress a lot of um, what, I guess, normal life would come about in a different state for instance like you start learning about like maturation programs when you're young Um, you start learning about sex and sex sex education much more when you're younger but here it's like it's very taboo yeah very very taboo nobody really wants to bring any light to it nobody wants to talk about it right i understand like it's because you want to keep your kids safe obviously because the world is kind of i mean even more so now, it's kind of a shitty place, you know, and, yeah. and I totally understand, but I think you're 100% right where a lot of these things that come to fruition and come um, about are like because, not because, but I think have a big role to play or the the suppression has a big role to play in yeah. a lot of these situations. I could just, I don't know. I That's my opinion on it, and I can see it being that way just because i grew up lds Mm -hmm. and i know personally like there is a lot of teaching in there where it's like you have to repress that like if you're feeling anything any sexual feelings then that's bad and you need to you need to turn them off that's a big thing too Mm -hmm. um where it's just like these feelings isn't actually true it's just a bad way to teach it it is and you know what we have imperfect people where I had imperfect people trying to teach this stuff because, of course, not everybody is the same. But it's more of like these bad feelings that you get, you just need to turn them off. Like that's kind of the message I received. And it's different yeah. for everybody else. Like it's not 
of course you're not encouraged to like have sex. Like you're mm-hmm. supposed to abstain from sex until marriage. Uh, and I think that's, that's like, I think it's, it's important to hit on as right. well that that's not a bad thing. No. You know, I think it's great that if people want to stay, um, true to themselves and like keep themselves from marriage, that's awesome. We're not saying right. that's bad by no. any means. But Continue. the force like culture behind that and, you know, it bleeds into our schools because mm-hmm. we're taught an abstinence only thing. Yeah. Um, when in realistic, like when in reality, this, it should be adjusted to this. It should be noted, you know what, abstinence is the best way to go. However, statistically, X amount of you are going to have sex. Mm-hmm. Here is how you can be safe with sex instead right. of just abstinence only because you know, you're not allowed to show people how to use condoms. You're not allowed to talk about that. Right. Um, you have to be very taboo about all of this stuff. And that's also why we have a significant amount of teenage pregnancies here. Right. And I think like, limitations lead to curiosity, in right. my opinion. And like, for instance, as both these guys know, because I grew up with them, uh, my parents used to be very, very strict, very strict. Yeah. And that led me to be very creative in the way that I managed to do things. You know, they take away my phone or, or they'd look at my phone to see if I hadn't like any texts from people or girls and stuff that I shouldn't be talking to. And I found ways to get around it. Right. Um, and I think for somebody like Bishop, for instance, where you're limited as a young kid, you start to think to yourself, you know, I actually am kind of attracted to the opposite gender. Um, so in your downtime, you start to fantasize, you start to look at pornography and you start to see these young children yeah. and because you never were able to, um, I guess indulge that fantasy Yeah. when you're older and you have all this power, you think to yourself, well, why don't I just do it now? Right. You know, and it just, his curi- curiosity kind of grew into a, a, um, like a, like a poison almost yeah it became an obsession right exactly and when at the end of the day if maybe and this again this is all speculation none of this is fact um but we're just kind of trying to trying to think our way through why somebody like this would have done it right um but when in reality like when he was younger maybe if things were a little more upfront like hey you have um an attraction to the opposite gender or to the same gender let's talk about it, you know, instead of trying to suppress that and say, well, no, we're good churchgoers. We, I'm working on getting my Eagle Scout. I want to make sure that I'm looking good in front of everybody. Like I can't come out as gay. Then you suppress these feelings. You suppress all this, uh, um, kind of curiosity again until you're older, which then turn into a poison. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of this repression goes in there and, you know, there's a lot of people who probably are gay in mm-hmm. Utah, but feel like they can't express that who, and you know, it's shown there's been, oh, this has happened. Um, but you'll find this guy who has a wife and kids, but he's gay and yeah. it ends in like divorce. Right. And it ruins multiple lives because of this. And this has nothing to do with the LDS church. It has very much a culture thing here. Um, in any strong religious community, yeah. um, I'm sure this is a common theme, but you know, when it gets restricted and you make these people feel like they can't be themselves uh, or show who right. their true colors. Yeah. Um, and we talked about how like being gay or being a lesbian is, is regular. It's normal mm-hmm. and it's socially like beneficial. Um, I want to 
put that in there before we get to the whole pedophile thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have that all like repressed in a society, you cause more issues. Right. Um, and you know, a lot of that was just created because a group of people didn't like that. Right. And it's interesting how we can hurt ourselves because we don't really allow things like that to happen. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, does any of this like make sense? I guess what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I'm tracking you. I mean, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I think it just it's hard because we try to put these people down, you know. And right. I think I think that's definitely changing. I think that's especially why like we don't. As far as I know, we haven't had like a huge serial killer right you know uh, especially not in my time um not that i know of at least right because because culturally i think a lot of the shift has come you know where where people that are like homosexual can be themselves or at least it's getting to a point where it's becoming a little more acceptable and like people don't have much of an issue with it anymore i'm not saying by any means that it's changed completely because i know a lot of people that are still unsupportive of that lifestyle. Right. Um, but I think it's definitely more prominent back in the day, especially growing up in the church back in the day. Right. Um, and I'm sure as many, who anybody that knows about the church knows that back even 10 years ago, it was a lot, a lot more strict than it is now. Right. Like, like tenfold, dude. It is insane how much the church has changed and changed their views on things up until now than 10 years ago. Right. And, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to that too, are kind of put off. They're like, Oh, the views have changed. And so I'm not going to touch on that. Um, but just kind of like going back to everything that we, we started out with yeah. just pedophilia is not normalized. It's not something that is and it beneficial. shouldn't be like, it right. never should be. It's, it's should disgusting. Be. It should be eradicated. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying murder pedophiles. I'm saying, you know, let's identify this sooner Mm -hmm. and let's not have pedophiles. I mean, I feel like everybody can be in agreement about that is Mm -hmm. pedophilia is disgusting and it's Mm -hmm. not something that we should have. Um, Anyway, I digress uh, with my question. Uh, Let's go on to the second murder. The second murder uh, is... Claude Kimbley Peterson, and he was lured into Bishop's house on the pretense of taking photographs. What ended up happening, Bishop did end up taking photographs of him. After he was, and these were nude photographs, he ended up afterwards keeping those as one of his trophies, and they found that later. Mm -hmm. But after taking photos, he shot him. He -hmm. shot this kid, um... And then went on to have sex with the body and mutilate him. It was... I want to point out how he... um, How he lured him was just like how you're talking about how earlier he was like, oh, you can offer these kids anything, you know? Yeah. And so he, he had another boy who he'd paid in money and expensive toys call up this Kim boy and like act like he wanted to buy a pair of his roller skates. And Mm -hmm. then, um, then like Bishop took the phone from him 
and I guess asked him like to meet him at this the pool parlor is what it says. Yeah. And then when they met, he said, Hey, do you want to go out to Cedar Valley and hunt rabbits? And he's like, Oh yeah. So then he takes him out there, take takes pictures of him in his car or whatever, and then they get out to start walking to hunt rabbits, and then he shoots him in the back of the head. He doesn't even give him the decency to look him in the eye. He freaking shoots him in the back of the head when he's not even expecting it. Just did it like an animal. Like a it's dog. So disgusting. Yeah. It's it is sick. It's disgusting. And you know what? He did it just like Dick Cheney shoots puppies. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> he shot puppies too. So. <laughs> did he really? Yeah, that's yeah, so that's what I was saying is that yeah. Bishop uh he would Bishop would go and buy puppies and yeah. kill them. That was like his way to kind of like cool down almost and keep keep his like bloodlust down was to get these puppies kill them and then that kind of helped him get the next year you know be able to hold it down for a little bit longer until he got the urge again to kill another young boy do you think they both kind of had the same hobby though where they'd be like (laughs) (laughs) where they just have him like load it so the puppies like fly through the air and they're just like (laughs) (laughs) stop <laughs> but um no. puppies are so expensive. I was just looking yesterday and I found several dogs that were over ten thousand dollars. I mean, this guy's probably buying cheap puppies if he's oh, just yeah. gonna kill them. But mm-hmm. I'm like, that's still pretty expensive, even if they're like a hundred dollar dog. Like yeah. that's expensive. Maybe like I don't know. Maybe Dick Cheney has like a puppy mill. I'm just kidding. Like <laughs> he doesn't actually own a puppy mill. But um yeah. If it was him, he would get his supply um, a puppy mill. I mean, if you're constantly like breeding dogs and you're basically a having a dog breeder. factory, then yeah. Um, but yeah, just to end on Dick Cheney yeah. in that one <laughs> <Dick>. moment. Pull. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay. um, going so, back to yeah. God. This is so just to give you a timeline again, October 20th, 1981, the next young boy was Danny Davis. This was a four year old, four year old little boy. Um, interestingly, this is the only young boy that uh, Bishop did not molest. Um, he lured him to his house with a bunch of toys. And um, as soon as Davis started crying, he put his hand, Bishop put his hand over his mouth and then suffocated him to death. Why didn't he molest this boy? I don't know. It's it's very weird. I uh, I don't know if it was more of like, see, because the thing is that he killed most of these young kids. Like, like for instance, Alonzo, he murdered him and then started to molest him. Yeah. Um, it's weird that he, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I don't have an explanation for that. I does not have time because it says, um that some other boys were coming over to his house. So he put the body in a couple of garbage bags and placed it in the corner. Jeez. Um, so he might've just like killed him. And then like, you know, he's probably like somewhat aroused or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he didn't quite have time to like, out of like finish fear. doing what he wanted to do. And then by the time, you know, then later he might've just not been in the mood anymore. I don't know. That's my only explanation, but. Right. Maybe like, um, yeah, I think you're probably right. Cause maybe he had like a fear that he might get caught and he's like, okay, I'm going to save it for later. But then like, maybe he got like that, um, like, uh, like, a 
realization of what he had done, you know, like a, almost like a, I don't know, I, I can't find a, like a word to describe it. But Do you think he felt remor- remorse? Yeah, 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 remorse. Yeah, he found like remorse. DNC. What is that? DN post not clarity. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm not even trying to be funny. Like that's the only. I'm not like that's pretty gross that that's what we're talking about. Like yeah. with this situation, but that's just all. That's the only way I can explain it. No, yeah, I think he got well. I think he was looking to get that like sexual gratification, and like you said, he got that almost like a post night clarity. But he didn't get to that point. He got this remorse for murdering a young boy. Yeah, and he's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm just gonna get rid of this body. It's it's so gross. I can't believe this guy mm-hmm. and everything he did. And oh my gosh! And you know the fact that it might have been the fact he didn't really have time the fact he didn't molest this boy is because he had time he didn't have the time to do it like if that's the reason behind it and he didn't really feel remorse um that's just absolutely disgusting it's more like yeah i would have done this but i just couldn't i couldn't Mm -hmm. i was interrupted and i think something like that happened with bundy too to where he was going to do something but then he was interrupted i think with one of his potential victims that happened like there was a story of this one gal who's like lured and is helping him, but somebody else came along and he ended up kind of running away. Hmm. Um, and so if Bishop did it because he felt remorse, uh, you know, that'd be better than if it was just, oh, I just didn't have time. I think that's disgusting. I think it was remorse. You think so? it says um, after he murdered Danny Davis, he vowed to never do it again. So hmm. I'm guessing that he must have felt pretty heavy and that's why you know, that's why he just decided not to molest him. And then eventually just got rid of the body. Yeah. yeah I think you're hundred percent right. But then we jump two years later and he murders six year old Troy Ward. And then on the same day, he kills 13 year old Graham Cunningham. It's ridiculous. And it's the thing is that he went two years, he went two years without doing it right, right? after he vowed quote unquote vowed to never do it again. So he goes two years and he has this almost like you said, like a berserker mode where it's like, I need to get this urge out. It's been two years. I did it. So why don't I just do two murders tonight? I feel like this was also like these two murders were very brutal because what he did to six year old Troy was he handcuffed, he handcuffed him and Mm -hmm. started molesting him. And then he ultimately killed him by doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if Troy died because of the the handcuffing or the molesting. Um, I didn't actually find. Do you know hit him what with he a did? rubber mallet? He he hit him with a rubber mallet. Yeah, yeah. until he was silent is what it was. So he he handcuffed him and like tied him between two pillars. So I imagine he's like standing up with his arms like outspread. Jeez, like it's pretty jacked up. And then um, he um, began to cry. And so then he started hitting him with the rubber mallet until he was dead because he was worried someone would hear. That is what's sad too is that um, he abducted him uh, while he was waiting on the corner near his home for his mom to return from the store with ice cream and cake because it was oh his sixth birthday. That... So his kid standing on the corner waiting for his mom to come home and in you know strolls bishop and he's like hey man you wanna um what do you say 
he wanted to play, hey, you want to come play a game with me? And he's like, yeah. And then that's when he abducted him and did that and ultimately ended up killing him. Disgusting. Despicable. It's horrible. You know what? I feel bad. Like, that's the worst birthday present you can get. Being handcuffed by this. I would say. And you guys have seen, like, this guy. He kind of looks like a pedophile. He does. I actually didn't want to hit on that. He almost, like, he's got, like, the pedo stash, and he's got the big he looks ass. like pedophile Bigfoot. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's got, like, the big ass. He almost looks like a fat, mustached version of um, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Yeah. He does, actually. And then, I, have, did you guys listen to the recordings of him? I think I, I heard one of them. He sounds so... I just like it's kind of nasally. Yeah, if I met this guy in real life, I'd feel like I just couldn't like talk to him. I just feel like I want to punch him in the face. He's somebody like he seems like somebody would want to bully this kid in high school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> should have. <laughs> yeah, he should. Um, Thirteen reasons why, bro. <laughs> <laughs> One day Gary Bishop will be my thirteenth reason. Oh my goodness, dude. <laughs> All of these people, they're just like showing the worst in humanity. I'm like, you're you're my thirteenth reason. Yeah, it's it's um, it's difficult to like, and I think I mentioned this last episode with uh, Jeffrey Epstein. It's hard to read through these um, things that he did just because it's so unsettling right. and gross. You know that you just don't want to. I don't know. I just hate reading it, but I also enjoy learning about all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then be able to talk about it with uh, the audience as well, but it's it's sad, man. It's it's like one of the worst crimes I think you can possibly do, especially to a child. Right. You know, I think murder is one of the worst, and then doing it to a child and molesting them right. is the probably the most disgusting thing that I think you could possibly do. In this You're world. stealing the innocence of a child. Yep. We we talked about this too with. Um, kind of the one of the conspiracies about Jeffrey Epstein was that you know he was abducting these children for their cult because they had the innocence because they had the purity mm -hmm. um, and you know what it could be that they just genuinely got off on that and you know I bet you you know again this is my opinion I bet you Bishop that was part of his thing I think he enjoyed the purity of young boys and being mm -hmm. able to take that away and taint it because he himself wasn't able to have that. Um, especially, you know, he got excommunicated from this religious organization. Mm -hmm. um, and so he wasn't allowed to have this purity. Right. Um, and it's taught that young children are pure and they're seen as pure in the eyes of Christ. And here he is not allowed to have that, but now he can take it away from people. It, mm -hmm. It's it's interesting if that fed into it at all. But I also think the way he killed Graham Cunningham, if, the, if that's how you pronounce his first name, I apologize, um, is he struck him with a hammer and then drowned him. Mm -hmm. It's the very same. It's almost the exact same thing he did to Alonzo, his yeah. first, for, first murder. He drowned him. And that is absolutely, you know, personally, um, I'm terrified of drowning. Mm -hmm. Like... I've always had this fear of drowning. And so have you ever like been in the pool and like almost drowned? Mm, like where no. you've like inhaled so much water and you just started like choking. I don't, I don't remember a time that that is. And you've been, well, there's been, there was a time when I was younger where I was actually like dropped in a pool and I was too young to do that. And so I was there. And then there was another time.
time when I was like older. And it's the scariest thing to me because you're underwater, you can't hold your breath. And then you, your body like naturally takes a breath of water in and it just, it, it's one of the worst feelings and it scares me to death to like drown. And so just imagine being held underwater to drown. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the experience you're going through. You, you're being forced to breathe in water because you can't hold your breath anymore. Um, and you're just like panicking too. It's not a very peaceful way to die. Mm-hmm. Like people, I mean, everybody asks the same question. They're like, Oh, would you rather die in a fire or die by drowning? Um, I would rather die in a fire cause I've been burned before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've experienced what it would feel like almost to drown. Right. Um, and out of the two, I would rather burn to death than drown. And people just talk about, well, you've never been like through the, the same amount of pain in the right. Like mm-hmm. I haven't been burned to death. Right. Um, but you know, a lot of the time when you die in a fire, you die through the, like the smoke inhalation before you get to actually being burned. Right. You almost suffocate. It's like the same idea. Right. Except for like, you're not underwater, I guess mm-hmm. you're not, it's different. It's different because when you're breathing in, it happens more of like a progression. Like you're still getting air mm-hmm. um, versus like water. It's different when you have water go down your throat and into your like chest. Like it's a completely different feeling. And so um, for me personally, the fact that he drowned him um, is despicable. I mean, that is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And it was actually uh, Graham. We're just, I'm just going to say Cunningham. So yeah. it was actually Cunningham's uh, disappearance that really led the police to start investigating Bishop. Um, they saw that he was going by Roger Downs, but they found out that it was actually um, Arthur Bishop. And so they went and arrested him. They started yeah. to interrogate him. And at that time was when Bishop kind of felt all this remorse, like you said. And he told them, like, okay, I want to show you guys something in my apartment. Um, it was said that they found 125 pictures of naked boys, um, come from magazines and then another 300 photos of young boys that he also took. Um, they were able to identify 21 of them, but Bishop said that it was probably double to triple that amount. So, and then after that, he, uh, he confessed, he confessed and showed them to where all the other five murders were and where their bodies were hidden. You know, it's hard for me to think he was actually remorseful. I don't feel like he was remorseful Mm -mm. um, just because of how violent he was in his crimes. Like, I feel like part of it, too, he was trying to use some of his charisma to try and get a better deal. He was like, maybe if I can just show them like, oh, no, I'm so sorry for doing this, blah, blah, blah. Maybe go a little bit easier on me. Maybe maybe help me out. It wasn't like I was. I was out of control. I couldn't help myself. I wasn't able to do it, but Bishop didn't come forward admitting his crimes. It wasn't until he was caught that he admitted that he had killed these boys and that he was willing to show them um, what was in his apartment. He was trying to, I think he was trying to to just kind of charm the police officers and mm-hmm. try and put up this whole narrative that He's innocent in a way of all this. And he yeah. said that in his letter that we read at the yep. beginning. That's the, that's the, I think the most frustrating part about this whole situation. And like I had stated in the beginning, he almost gets like super like apologetic and Mormony, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, one of the things that he says, and I'll, I'll read this out real quick. 
By accepting my execution, I do not consider myself a courageous hero or a noble martyr, or that I'm giving up or that I'm going out into blaze of glory, as some people have suggested. I am merely accepting my punishment, and as, as my conscience dictates, I must, through perhaps, though perhaps too little, too late, I'm doing the right thing now. That statement made me so angry when I read it, because it's he's like trying to play like a, and he says it in there. He's, he he says he's like I'm not a hero or anything like that, but he's almost trying to play that card of like, oh I'm so good, I turned myself in. Look at me. Well, he didn't even turn himself in. He just gave them the evidence against him. Right, but he's almost like playing it like he did. That's what I find so frustrating. That yeah. He's like staying in the same the same sentence he's saying he's not a hero, but then he's trying to play a hero card right. at the end. It's so frustrating. He's trying to seem so humble. He's like, look at me. I'm so humble. Yeah, I did this, but look at me. I'm willing to admit what I've done, and I'm willing to take accountability for mm-hmm. what I've done. Yeah. It's the idea of like, no, I did this. I'm accountable for what I did. I I admit this. And it's like, no, yeah. you got caught. Yeah, you, you got, got caught. caught. Now you have to pay the price because you're disgusting. Yeah. And the the very last thing, sorry, one last little excerpt I want to give you guys. And this is where I say, like, it's very frustrating because he starts to play like that. I'm, I'm a Christian. I am like, I know God, all this stuff. So yeah. he says, I'll leave this life with no ill feelings toward anyone. And I pray that the peace of God may rest upon each each and every one of you. I know God's love, patience, and compassion, and have found comfort in that knowledge. When I kneel before Christ in the next life, having a perfect recollection of, recollection of my guilt with a broken heart, I will humbly plead, Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on my soul. Wow. You know what? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're burning <laughs> in hell. Yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> that, Doesn't that just make your blood boil? Like, you're such a shitty person. And then you go out and say, oh, like, I know God still loves me. Please, please, I'm going to kneel before you. I know I've done bad. It's like, dude, you've done, you've done the shittiest crap. No one should ever forgive you for what you've done. You, <laughs> like, it's... Yeah. Let's hit on just one thing. Oh, Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I, will, I just said, yeah, like, it's just freaking ridiculous that this guy is like, hey, you know, I'm sorry, but I know my Lord and Savior, he forgives me and loves me. I'm like, you know what? If if you're in heaven and I'm in heaven, because I think I'm a shitty human being, okay? <laughs> and I've never killed anyone. I've never raped anyone. I've never molested anyone. Yeah. And I feel like I'm a huge sack of shit. So if you're going to sit there and say, hey, I know my Lord and Savior, he loves me, and, like, you end up in heaven, I'm out. Like, send me to hell. I don't want to be in the heaven where yeah, you're I'm at. in the you same boat. Like, that's uh-huh. ridiculous. No. 100% I agree he, with you. He's, he has to go to hell because, like, he does have to or else I want my ticket to hell too. <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. But um, there's no way because, you know, we know little children are precious in the eyes of the Lord. Going to the Bible, mm-hmm. if this man was a real Christian, which he was not, yeah. he would have read the Bible. And that's one of the biggest problems is a lot of people here don't read the Bible. And so they don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in there, there's a story about Christ where he was giving a sermon and he was out and children mm-hmm. tried to get up to him. And people started getting mad at these children. They're like, no, Stay away from Christ. And what he actually said, he said, suffer the little children unto me, saying, bring them to me, because precious are they in the eyes of the Lord. 
Um, and if anybody, if Arthur Bishop really, really understood that, he would understand that no, children are pure, they're precious. Mm-hmm. These are things that God finds um important to him. Right. Because at the end of the day, he does talk about how we are all his children. Mm-hmm. However, they specifically talk about like little children being um very important to God. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he went around, he killed these children, and he's claiming to be a Christian is all contrary. He's being a complete hypocrite, which we already know. Because in that same like ending, he's there saying, I'm not trying to be a martyr, but yet he's still trying to play this whole holier than thou thing. Right. Like, you know what, bro? I'm glad you're dead. Yeah, and he deserves no like I wish it hurt more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's the other thing too. So hang him on the steps of the Capitol. <laughs> yeah. So Utah, actually, it before this, they hadn't used the death penalty in 20 years. Um and in this case, they found him on, um, and then I'll let Brennan and Parker talk about the charges and stuff, but they found him guilty, obviously, and he ended up choosing lethal injection. And prior to him dying, was in that excerpt was said, um, that brought along a lot of controversy around the death penalty, right? Um, where a lot of people were writing the state and saying, no, you guys can't kill this guy, blah, blah, blah. His mom, of all people, was saying, no, like, give him a... And I understand, like, <laughs> that it's his mom, but if right. I grew up and I had kids, and one of my kids did this, I would disown them immediately. I would have no... Like, it would be very difficult, I think, but at the end of the day, like... You'd have to. I mean, or else you're supporting that. Right. And so this mom like pled with the judge and pled and said he was so great. He has his Eagle Scout. He was part of the LDS church, blah, 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 this and that. And she pled with him to give him just a regular like jail sentence um, in life. But yeah, they ended up uh, convicting him and they gave him the death penalty and he was allowed to choose. He he actually forewent his uh, his final meal, which I thought was weird. You know, Let's let's jump into these charges because I I am mad about these charges because they did not charge him enough. Um, and, you know, I think we could have gone to the full extent of these charges. So here's what he was actually charged with. Uh, he was found guilty on five counts of first degree murder, five counts of aggregated kidnapping and one count of sexually abusing a minor. Let's go back to that one. One count of sexually abusing a minor. Excuse me? We just talked about all of this sexual abuse. And we're just going to stop right there. And we're going to say one count of sexually abusing a minor. That right there is a disgrace. That right there shows an issue in our legal system here. Because he even commit he even admitted in these previous times that he he sexually diddled other kids <laughs> and you know we go back to the first murder of Alonzo Daniels he sexually assaulted killed him we go back even to freaking uh Graham Cunningham he was lured into the home um and he also was sexually molested before him that same day, you had Troy Ward, who was handcuffed and molested and ultimately killed. You know, you have at least three people that I just named off that 
were molested by this guy and were sexually abused, but he was only, you know, charged with one count of sexually abusing a minor. That is such a di disgrace. You know what I mean? I think what maybe happened with that is that the the jury or well it would have been the prosecution was like okay um which i'm sure that you know the prosecution prosecution would have been the state so they're like okay what can we find him guilty of the, the least amount of things we can find him guilty of to then still get the death penalty um because if if they are able to convince the jury to find him guilty on these things then he gets killed no matter what. So right. they didn't, you know, they could have had six count or, you know, they could have had several counts of all these different things, but it maybe would have been harder to provide evidence for each specific thing. Mm. So then he, he would have been trying to convict on more than you actually needed to. So you, almost what you're saying is that they just wanted to guarantee like a death penalty essentially. See, and yeah. they're like, let's just take like bare minimum. Like, we know he'll get the death penalty if we do these things. So we'll try and convict on bare minimum so that we don't have to convince the jury of more things. Right. But it's the principle of these things. It's the principle on the fact that they didn't charge him with these other things. I mean, think about the victims of this family. They, yeah, like they almost did a disservice to these to the victims. Exactly right. And I've served on a jury like this year is the first time, and it was a criminal trial. Um and each separate incident was laid out in front of us and it was up to us to decide. And, you know, I'm still a little bit salty about how it ended because there was one count that we didn't convict on that I thought we should have convicted on. Um, but at the end, we all had to agree that there just wasn't the evidence for that. Um, and so just at the end of the day, like they did a disservice to these family members because they had his his confession he confessed to the crimes he showed them the photos that he took of the crime he did all of this stuff and it's just like the state didn't go far enough they didn't actually prosecute all of the things that he did and it's just not fair yeah i mean if i'm a victim well, also part of your rights are you know to a fair and speedy trial so maybe they felt that they weren't being they were wasting time and not being speedy hmm. by trying to convict on those other things. Even if he did confess and they had the evidence and stuff like that just prolongs the trial. And ultimately yeah, like yeah. it is a disservice to the family, but at the same time, um, you know, if it was me, I would rather have the guy who, you know, killed my kid dead yeah. than have him alive in prison for life because they, the prosecution got greedy on, on well, trying to find certain convictions. You don't mm -hmm. even have to convict on everything to get a life sentence. Like they could have convicted on what they had just there and he would have had his death penalty still. And they could have chose like not to do those other counts. Um, but even with a speedy trial, you have a speedy trial, but you still have to be held accountable for everything you've done. Like, um, I don't know uh, how familiar you are. Like how do you get, you guys know Jordan Peterson, right? Yeah. One of the things that he talked about, and I think this is interesting, is, you know, let's say I kill one of your family members, you kill one of mine, then I kill two of yours, you kill two of mine. Mm -hmm. What the law is supposed to do is it's an intermediary. So instead of us going back and forth and killing people to try and get even, 
the law steps in and it has these sets set of rules to where it's the one who is supposed to serve justice, who is supposed to get vengeance for you. It's supposed to make it so you don't have to pursue vengeance on this person. And so the fact that mm -hmm. they were robbed of their justice that they were to give um, doesn't satisfy the vengeance that they should be able to give back, if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, of course, this is just a summary yeah, of what he said, sense. but the no, law. It's jacked up. I mean, I, I still think that I wish that there was a huge list and it said, you know, this is what happened to each person, like, and this is, you know, what he did, and, like, let's hold them accountable for each and everything because right. it's just not fair to the victims mm -hmm. or their families. Politics. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it came down to, I guess, politics of the whole thing. At the end of the day, I got we're, uh, we should I just be happy he's dead. <laughs> oh, I'm happy he's dead. I just wish it was more brutal that he died. Yeah. What were you saying, Parker? Sorry. Well, I just I had two questions for you guys. Um, so my first question, since we're kind of on the topic, was what do you think about the death penalty? Do you think we should have a death penalty, or do you think um, that <laughs> we shouldn't just in case people are wrongfully, you know, convicted? I it's a good am question. gonna get canceled for this, but I think we should keep the death penalty. I I think we should keep the death penalty because of the fact that it's it again going back to justice being equal, mm -hmm. an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Um, you took a life. You might even have taken multiple lives, and the fact that you've now become a burden on the state to keep you alive in prison and keeping you fed, clothed, mm -hmm. and you know they have to keep these people protected too. Um, to serve out their sentence like they have to spend resources on protection for these guys and you know i think and you get all of those appeals for free let's talk about that and all the public prosecution with that but the death penalty sure you get your appeals but at the end of the day like you're dead you can be dead in far quicker than you are like going to die of natural causes you know what i mean yeah. um and so, yeah, we should keep the death penalty. And I think that, you know what, personally, um, if I was wrongly convicted and I was given the death penalty, I would take the death penalty only because I understand it's a part of our process in our society to where, you know what, it's not going to be perfect, mm -hmm. but justice has to be served. And if we were to get rid of it, justice wouldn't be served in the future. And, you know, they would be a burden to the state. Um, that's my personal opinion on it. I think we should keep it. I think it provides justice. Um, and I don't think the state should have to deal with the burden of such individuals. And people will argue it's more expensive to actually carry out the death penalty than it is to have it on the state. But there's still a liability. Like, you're still actively taking care of this person, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Versus they're dead. Like, they don't deserve the compassion of being fed, clothed, and taken care of for the rest of their life. No. They deserve to die. Mm -hmm. Hang them on the Capitol steps. I think uh, it's a good question. Um, I think it's, it's hard because I don't want to – it's hard to speak on this because I feel like I don't have enough information, um, nor do I have, like, enough of a – opinion which i probably should 
to say yes or no whether or not they should keep it. Fair enough. I mean, I think like kind of, um, I'm I'm on both sides, both sides of the aisle with it personally because, like, I just think you know even if there's only one person, you know in the history of ever that is wrongfully executed and they didn't commit the crime. Um, but they, you know, end up getting convicted of it and then end up getting executed. Um, I would say, you know, just to save that person's life, it'd probably be worth not having it. But at the same time, um, if it was me and I was wrongfully convicted and my choices were either, okay, you've got to sit in prison and rot for life, or you've got to die, you know, you know, on death row, executed, you know, et cetera. I think I'd be like, well, you, you better just kill me because if not, I'm going to kill myself anyways. I'm not going to sit here and rot in this freaking cell for the rest of my life, live a worthless life, yeah. especially for like a crime I didn't commit. Like, I just say like, pull the plug. Like, let's get me out of here. I want to move on. Like, I don't know if there's life after this, but I know there's not life in here. And I don't want to sit here with all these freaking rapists and murderers. So, right. um, like, just kill me, you know, and that's, that's if I was wrongfully convicted, that's how I'd feel. So, um, I kind of lean more towards keeping it because a lot, just for what Brendan said about the liability for the state or, you know, I mean, our taxes have more important things to go to than providing cable TV for prisoners. I feel like, so, um, no compassion, you know, I think just to keep the prisons, (laughs) the prison the prison's lighter and, and emptier and stuff like that and and maybe there's something i haven't thought of and super cold for me to say this but i just know if it was me i'd be like just kill me like what's the point i don't want to sit in here for another 60 years you know yeah mm-hmm. so what was your what was your second question so my second question was um there's this kid that is mentioned quite a bit but they don't actually give us his name um john who helped bishop in getting these kids he's the one that um with kim um you know he was the one who initially called him and said hey i want to buy your roller skates and then bishop took the phone and then talked to him and then eventually killed him from there and then also um his last victim um cunningham um he was supposed to go on a trip to california with a friend and his father and that friend was this kid named they give us his name as John, but it's in quotes. Like it's not his real name. Right. And Bishop. So Bishop actually picked him up at his house. Well, I don't know. It says he picked him up and he tricked him. Uh, and they were going to go on a trip to California. And right. then he ended up tricking him. Hey, go back in your house and get some marijuana to sell for cash. And then, um, then he said, Hey, will you pose for some pictures? And then he, he eventually agreed for to pose for the pictures in exchange for a skateboard. But anyways, my question to you guys is like, this John person, like, should they have been held more accountable? It sounds like they were a minor since they won't give us the name. And but like, they helped Bishop too in exchange for toys. Like it could have been like the right. six year old. But I mean, I would say John was probably more of a victim than an accomplice. Right. Um. I'm guessing he was probably molested at some point too, even though it never actually talks about it. But if he was getting rewards from Bishop, I'm sure he was. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just interesting to me. You know, 
I, the fact that he is a child, it would have to depend how old he was and how competent he really was during this time. Um, because if he was competent enough to know that he was, what he was doing was wrong, um, I would say you would have to try him as an adult with accessory to murder because at that point you've participated in, um, assisting somebody in the murder. But if there's certain circumstances to where like your life is at risk while doing this as well, like you're being molested by Bishop and you have to do this then I can see, or you just don't understand what you're doing. You don't understand you're, you're a young kid and you don't understand you're helping this guy kill other little boys. Then um, I think you have a reason to not be charged. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? You, you feeling me? Because it just, I don't know, it just doesn't sit. It doesn't sit. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um with that, John, because if he was a kid, let's say, because the Cunningham um, boy, he was 13, so if he was friends with John, um, I could only assume that he's probably around the same age, right? Right. So <clears throat> at that point, do you convict somebody of like the age of 13 as being an accomplice? Did John know what was going on? You know, I think there's a lot of uh, holes and information that I think we don't, probably don't know exactly. about the situation that I think it'd be hard to f see, like, where do we draw the line in this situation? Was it just kind of unbeknownst to this kid, you know, or he knew everything that was going on, but um, Arthur was, or, or Bishop was, like, bribing him in some way or something you know there's yeah i think it's hard to answer that question with a straight answer because we don't know we don't know exactly what happened in that situation what the relationship was right um bishop could have been could have uh interacted with this john character when he was in the big brother club you know and at that point maybe he didn't indulge any of those fantasies that he had and john only saw him as actually like a big brother so he sees this guy as like a a figure to kind of like look up to and he never knows exactly what's going on. He just knows that this guy that he really likes is telling him, Hey, right. Go get that kid. Tell him I'll give him some weed if he comes and takes pictures with me. And John is like none the wiser, you know, he's just doing what he's told. Right. It really just depends in all honesty. It depends how old he was, how competent he was, mm -hmm. um, in kind of what the circumstances were. Uh, without having an answer to those, it would be hard to say. Um, and that's why, like, I'm still on the uh, the notion to where, you know what, if he was competent enough to know what was going on, um, then, yeah, uh, he should be held accountable. But if he wasn't competent enough and he wasn't in a situation to where um, he could be held accountable, like, then, no, he shouldn't have to be be punished um he should actually be considered another victim of bishop yeah i would agree with that yeah i'm guessing that's how the law looked at it as well where they've hit his identity um you know you can't find any info on this person he's just mentioned two different times in this article yeah but um i'm guessing that the law or the police whoever you know they they looked at him as 
another victim as well. And I'm sure he, even though he never got killed, I'm sure he was a molestation victim. So. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, he's probably, I'd probably feel more bad for him for sure than I'd feel angry at him because that's what it seems like it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm sure that that's more what it was because I feel like that would be more why he wouldn't get charged um, with anything. Um, but then I don't know if Utah will charge minors as adults. Um, you know what I mean? So I don't know if he would be convicted of like a bigger crime. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Or if like we can really, if there's youth that we do hold like accountable like that, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know what kind of state we are in that way, but I know we have the death penalty at least. <laughs> Anyways. Well, yeah, I think uh, that kind of sums up our uh, episode on Arthur Gary Bishop. I I agree. Do you have it's anything nasty you'd like mofo. to add? I think we're all good. <laughs> um, so thank everybody. I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, I know this was a little bit harder to listen to due to the nature and the content about it. But again, a lot of the stuff we cover, we feel like is very important um, because these are things that happen in society and they should be brought to light because we need to know more about this stuff so we can work to, to stop it. And that's the biggest thing here with, with Bishop and being a pedophile. Um, so just closing, thank you guys again for listening. Um, we like to, I'd like the official welcome to Parker to the podcast and, um, yeah, you guys have a great day. And don't forget to, uh, if you guys did want to contact us at all, um, our email is go ahead, Brennan shadow.valleypod at the dojenetwork.com. And then don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram shadow Valley pod. Uh, we really want to hear anything we can from you guys and, uh, get to know our, our listeners and thank you again for listening to us. I know, uh, sometimes we, uh, can indulge a little more on our, our tangents, but we hope you guys are enjoying our content and anything you guys want to let us know or things that we think we should improve, please feel free to message us. And, uh, Oh, we've got some exciting things coming up this next month. Um, we want to, uh, kind of, uh, just something to look forward to, but we want to start looking into some of the traditions of Halloween and stuff. And we got to, we, want to have some episodes giving you guys background on that because i think it's cool so for sure i definitely agree all right guys we will talk to you guys next week thanks again